like there should be a disclaimer. <laughs> I'm sick right now, so if you hear me sniffling, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so yes, Martha has a cold. Um, yes. I'm like the queen of getting sick when it starts to get nice out. It's just, it's the, I bet you anything, it's the snow mold. Because all the, all the crud that's hidden inside the snow kind of gets released. And also apparently there's something that grows on the grass under snow. It's a whole thing. There are medical articles about it. So I know it's legit. <laughs> well, it got me and it got me good. Uh, there's another reason why you might be experiencing some sinus issues too, considering what happened yesterday. Oh, yeah. My best friend had her baby. So I was taking care of the twins. Wasn't even that, but that's okay. <laughs> I was talking about what was in the air yesterday that oh, might cause sinus issues. See, but I felt the sinus stuff. Before that morning, okay, I'll like give you I a pass on that. started to feel gross that morning. It was probably your first, uh, not your first day of being parent, but you're kind of pushed into a parenting duty. Yeah, kind of last minute and yeah. for an entire night into a morning. Yes, you brought children to school. I'm and impressed. Picked up. And picked up. It was really <laughs> funny, like seeing all the parents, because as most of you know, when I moved here, I was at the Y, and so some lessons. People were so used to seeing me with kids, and so. I ran into a lot of old parents that, like, were totally in love with the fact that they got to watch me, like, pick up these two cute little girls from school and, like, get them in their car seats in the car. So a quick congratulations to our friends Amanda and Seth, who yes. welcomed their little baby boy into the world. And that that was, this was a wildly busy week, and it's only Tuesday right. as we're right. recording this. <laughs> so um, Monday. Monday was wildly busy, and um, we're inserting this special history episode into our time in the podcast. We were going to be doing part two of the brewery guide, and that will be coming next week. But something happened on Monday that uh, made us change course a little bit. And it's not the birth of a baby. We're not going to do an entire podcast episode (laughs) on that. We probably could, but we're not going to. No, um, something else happened uh, at around 11.30 a.m., on Monday, April 10th, a fire broke out in downtown Grammaray. And if this sounds familiar, it's because it has happened before. The day after Easter, so April 13th of 2020, was when the fire destroyed the three businesses in downtown Grammaray. And this is special podcast history episode on the building that was affected by this week's fire. And that would be Sydney's frozen custard, and wood-fired pizza. So I'm Jay. And I'm Martha. And this is Exploring the North Shore. This podcast episode is sponsored by Cascade Vacation Rentals. They know that life has a tendency to be overwhelming at times, and busy schedules often leave people feeling overwhelmed and disconnected. That's why they're here to offer you the space and opportunity to reconnect to what's important. Cascade Vacation Rentals has one of the largest selections of privately owned vacation rental homes and cabins on Minnesota's North Shore of Lake Superior, from Duluth to the Canadian border. Their team is there to help you and your family or small group enjoy a vacation you'll remember for years to come. Visit them online at www.cascadevacationrentals.com. Again, that's www.cascadevacationrentals.com. Before we begin, let's just talk about the fire because we drove past Sydney's right before, right before, right before. Like, we're not kidding. We had to be driving by while it was starting. Yeah. And I just I didn't see a thing. Yeah. I, you know, who knows? And 
I, I mean, we, there's very little known about what actually happened with the fire because it was literally just yesterday. So we're not going to give you the cause of it or anything like that because we don't know. Nobody knows quite yet. They're still investigating it. In fact, I don't even know if they've fully started. I'm sure they have started investigating it. There were people there yeah. today. But at the time, it was an empty building because it's still for the April. Season, yeah. It's closed for the season. It's a it's a May through October establishment, maybe even September. And it really does depend on the weather and how and much their staff empo- he yeah, has. Their employees. So it kind of differs year from year, but generally, yeah, that time. May to September, October. So that means in April, it was closed. There was nobody in the building when the fire broke out, although we'll get to what happened to just before the fire broke out. But yeah, at about 10, 50, 11 o'clock, we drove past. We were just down there. Oddly enough, we thought something was on, or you thought something was on fire. Yeah. We always do a drive through downtown because you never know what's going Stuff on. It's always happening. Um, when we go to get lunch. And it was, granted, it was a very early lunch. We yeah. just were out and about. So we figured we'd pick up lunch and then go back to the office. But we were driving into the harbor and it just looked so oddly hazy, Hazy, but only in like the harbor spot, like by the trading post and where you can go down by the point, but nowhere else was. So it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was a fire. I was like, is somebody burning something right now? We roll down our windows, both of us, and we're sniffing out. We're like, I don't smell smell anything. Yeah. And so we we just did the quick loop around the harbor to see if anything was on fire. And I happened to look over the East Bay and you could kind of see some haziness on the East Bay too. I'm like, oh, it's just a really strange fog layer. Mm -hmm. We then drove to get our lunch. We came back to our office. We sat down to eat our lunch. And that was when your phone started blowing up. Excuse me. I'm sure you heard that really weird. (laughs) Martha's (laughs) having some cold issues today. Um, But your phone started blowing up. Yeah. My phone just started, Snapchat started to like buzz, 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 buzz. And my watch was blowing up. And I mean, that happens every once in a while. But when it does, usually something happened in town and my whole group's like, hey, who's in town? Who sees this? Who knows what's happening right now? And it was just a photo that says something on down, something in downtown is on fire. And I was like, we were just down there. I I said like, no way. We were literally just there. There's no way something's on fire. Yeah. And then I got a couple more photos that were closer. And I was like, oh my God, I think Sydney's is on fire right now. It was hard to tell at first if it was uh, Sydney's, if it was Red Pine Realty, if it was that house that's next to them. It was definitely something in that area. So we were like, well, we we had literally just sat down for lunch. We're like, let's go back. So we hopped in the car we got down there at about 11:40. Yeah. I think the fire was reported and you know the crew started getting there right at 11:30. Mm-hmm. By the time we got there and walked around, we actually walked on the East Bay shoreline area. So for anybody not familiar with it, if you go kind of on the backside of Drury Lane Books, if you go down that street and kind of walk along the beach there, that's the East Bay. The other side is the harbor. So the Grammarie Harbor and then East Bay. Just to clarify some lingo for anybody who doesn't know but we walked past the shoreline in and kind of wrapped around their deck area and it was very obvious that it was Sydney's you could could hear yeah yep we found out very very quick Mm -hmm. which one it actually was and it was just insane engulfed completely huge plumes of smoke and it was only getting worse it seemed like you could hear the crackling of the fire it was like standing outside a giant bonfire 
And yeah, you could hear some of the back windows crap. Yep, um, shattered. Shattering. Uh, eventually, you could see the firefighters moving come through, yeah. but well, not come through. They came around the back. The back. So the the fire was being fought from the front to the back, and we are on the back. Yeah. So we are on the lake side, not the street side to start with. And it was so, it got to be so intense at one point. Yeah, we were could, backing away. Yeah, I could feel the heat. Yeah, which is why we started to back away because then followed by that heat radiating off of there, yeah. the smoke just started to billow and follow us. Yeah. So then we kept stepping back and stepping back again and it kept just following us. It was crazy. Like this plume of smoke was like walking around the corner to where we and were. It, that's and... not stuff you want to breathe in. Like, yeah. That's... And, and, and there toxic. was there was a couple other people there, of course. Stuff like this tends to bring people out. There was one person up on the shore uh, shoreline in uh, like deck area. Yep. He was like, "Oh, maybe we should move back. There's probably something in there that could explode." Yeah. It is a restaurant, you know. They have various cooking things. I don't know if they use gas or electric. I'm assuming actually, maybe it it's probably gas. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe it's electric. Who knows? But things that could explode so we decided to clear out from that area and you are like the asthmatic queen so i was like this is probably not the best place for either of us to be right now which my asthma is really bad due to a lung infection i got when i was like literally in the middle of a forest fire so i generally like to avoid smoke as much as possible Uh, The wind was blowing it towards the east bay, so it was blowing the smoke east. So we walked around then to the front. It was like a whole different scene on the front side, too. Like, we went the back side, and there was nobody nobody there. Yeah, everybody was as far back, as as close as you could be, that's where people were. And there was nobody directing or keeping people back. We were just kind of all standing back. I think we were, respectfully, and also because he wants to get that close to a fire. Right. But then we came around the front side and they had Broadway Avenue closed off from basically where World's World's Best Best Donuts is all the way down. You couldn't go past World's Best. There were fire departments from uh, Graham Ray, Maple Hill, uh, Lutzen. I don't know if Tofty and Gunflint and Hovland. I know there were five five engines when we left Mm -hmm. and when we were leaving. More were coming. Yeah, you could hear the sirens of more coming in. Lutzen arrived while we were there. Maple Hill was already there. Grammaray was already there. And then we left and more kept coming. We did clear out after a little bit. The fire started, was called in around 1130. And around 1.30, I was able to look out my office window. I can see downtown. And I was able to see that the smoke was at least gone. Yeah. I don't know if they were still putting stuff out. Most of the news reports we did read said that the fire was out by about 1.30. Uh, so about two hours, it burned. Yeah. We drove back down around three o'clock just to see the extent of the damage. Although I feel like we already knew. Like yeah. there was there was yeah. no question that the thing that actually surprised me was that it's still standing. From experience, <laughs> in this Martha has experience. Um, most of the damage typically comes from smoke, smoke. damage. Uh, I'm sure there is a lot of structural damage in there, but. With fires, most of it is smoke damage. Mm-hmm. So, And the reason that the 2020 fires that destroyed the Cricket Spoon Cafe, uh, Picnic and Pine, and White Pine North, the reason those buildings were actually collapsed, they yeah. didn't collapse. They were knocked down in order to stop the fire. Yeah, oh, they came I didn't with, know that. Yeah, they came with bulldozers. While it was still? While it was still, they, they didn't. Oh, they I had no yeah, idea. They, ha- they took them down. Yeah, isn't that like... 
Oh, because when the fire was still burning, I mean, it looked like maybe they might still be standing yeah. at the end, yeah. which what do you get from that? Obviously, the buildings aren't usable anymore, but mm-hmm. from like Crooked Spoon, maybe they could have saved the sign or maybe yeah. some of that intricate art that was around White Pine North could have been saved. But mm-hmm. they, you know, you're not thinking of those things when you're battling a fire. And so trying they, to keep it from spreading from the, the exactly new, to the that new buildings. Was, that was really the goal for the 2020 fire. Yeah, I am very impressed with how this fire went. Not oh, that, yeah. Because the buildings on down either there side are so close. Yep. Like, so close. So, technically, Sydney's is on the same lot as the Red Pine Realty building. Yeah. So, they are feet apart yep. they're very close and then on the other side of course is that private residence and there's there's like a, a small shed in between yep. them and the shed did have um fire damage on the side that was closest to sydney's but the other side was fine and i'm sure it has a ton of smoke damage yeah and even uh, you know we when we went back down at three o'clock red pine had all the windows and doors open trying to air out yep. the smoke that had gotten in there so while the buildings themselves were not damaged, there's probably, you know, repairs they're going to have to do just from the smoke damage. Mm-hmm. But they were spared. And Sydney's, though, while still standing, you can still, if I don't know how long it's going to be standing for, but if you happen to be coming up this weekend or in the next couple of weeks, it's still there. And in fact, the front, if you don't look at the windows. Yeah, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. And the fact that, you know, the front door is gone. Yeah. <laughs> so you could see clear There's from part. <laughs> one side to the other. Like if the windows were still there, the outside of the front of the front doesn't look like it. It's not as bad as the back looks. So the wind was blowing east. So I think the wind was just kind of wherever the fire started, which to me, it looks like it started on the south end of the building. So going towards Artist Point. Not on the north end, which is towards the Red Pine Realty building, because that wall is burnt. There's it's it, the fire went through that wall. Yeah. 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 The side by the shed. So I think if I had to guess, the fire started in the main kitchen and not the where the, the wood, wood fired fire, pizza yeah. oven is. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, this literally just happened. There's so much information we don't have right now, but that's what we could deduce based on both us driving by before it happened, while it was happening, after it happened, and seeing the damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce Block is the owner of Sydney's Frozen Custard and Wood Fired Pizza, and he has building experience, so he was able to kind of look at it and say, yeah, the building, it's gone. It's a, There's no salvaging the building. It will probably come down. Yeah. Another interesting, and we're going to get into the history of the building and the plot of land in a minute here, but an interesting, another kind of coincidence, how was that Bruce had been in there earlier that day because he had brokered a deal to sell it, which I think is news to most people. I didn't know Mm -hmm. it was for sale. I don't know who was going to be buying it or what was happening with that situation, but it does sound like with the fire happening, it's no longer, it's no longer, yeah. Uh, a, a deal that's going to go through and in the star tribune article on the on the fire uh, bruce is quoted as saying now that i'm thinking about it i might as well rebuild it so hey <laughs> who knows what will come of the lot of land the building itself i'm guessing the building is going to come down something's mm-hmm. going to go in its place i do hope that it looks very similar to what they had there now i yeah. loved that building 
Yeah, it was a very beautiful building. So and much the, character. And the upper deck, too. Yep. And you don't... I almost forget that it has that upper deck. I always forgot about it because I don't, I don't go there that often. We but, usually would go for, like, lunch and then bring it back to the office to eat yeah. versus eating it there. Yep. I actually liked that upper deck because I have kids, and mm-hmm. it's a great place to go and eat with kids, and they can run around, and nobody really cares. Yeah. Another great thing was they had have still it's not gone it's a big beautiful beach in front on the lake side of it so behind Mm -hmm. it and we would sometimes just get food and then just sit in the sand out there and eat our dinner in the beach at the beach all right but let's talk a little bit now about the history of sydney's frozen custard and wood-fired pizza the interesting thing i learned about is that the building itself is not that old it was only built in 2004 like even the original building? It's that is the original building. Wow. Sydney's is the very first structure to be built on that lot. And that part of the lot, I yeah. should say, because again, it's the same lot as the Red Pine Realty building. So if you're familiar with downtown Grand Marais, uh, Red Pine Realty, I think Lutes and Reflections is still in that building. They, I believe there's a couple of vacation rentals in there too. You know, they're on the same lot. They're both 14 South Broadway Avenue, Grand Marais, Minnesota. So when we talk about the lot, there's two different parts to it. There's Sydney's, which is less than 20 years old, built in 2004. And then there's the Red Pine Building. Now, Sydney's itself, again, built in 2004. It was a single-story custard shop. They sold just custard in the beginning. Uh, It was named after Bruce Block, the owner's, uh, his youngest daughter at the time. He has more daughters. In fact, we didn't even know there was a Sydney Block. Yeah, which is funny because I know his other daughters. <laughs> and when they, when I read that, I was like, wait, who's Sydney? <laughs> There's obviously one I never met then. Sydney's itself is named after <laughs> the daughter who was the youngest in 2004 when it was built. Her name was Sydney, and it was just Sydney's Frozen Custard, which is still what the sign says on the front. It mm-hmm. doesn't mention the wood fire pizza. Fire, yep. It just sold custard and then eventually expanded to offering the wood fire pizza the euros which are so oh good. my god that was the best place to get them from in town i think it was the only place to get them you can get them at the tavern they have three oh, different types correct. you can get that is correct i've had them at the tavern i take my words I think back they have like lamb beef, falafel yeah and beef and beef yeah mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I'm corrected. I'm sorry, Gunflint Tavern. It wasn't the only place to get the euros, but it was the one you look forward to. Yeah. And also being seasonal, I think we... Well, and frozen custard, man. Oh, yeah. Come on Paired now. Paired together. It's amazing. My favorite was the pesto chicken pita. That's oh, what I got. yeah. I take back the euro. That was my favorite thing to get there. <laughs> I feel like we have this conversation every year every at the time, start of their yeah. season. We go up and we look at the menu, and I'm like, why am I even looking at the menu? I know, I know what, what I'm what getting. Yep. And then I remind you of it. It's a cycle. Oh, it's so good. It's a cycle that broke, though, or it's going to break, because Oof. I don't foresee them reopening in 2023. Yeah. So with the addition of the food, they also added beer and wine, which was nice. You could have an adult beverage with your mm-hmm. lunch or dinner. Of course, they were only open seasonally, so it was a thing you did in the summertime. Yep. You went down to Sydney's. And we would go out of our way to go there because it was the only time we could go there. In 2014, Bruce added the second story onto the building, which is the open-air rooftop dining space. It was the first open-air rooftop dining space in Grand Marais, followed, of course, a, just Tavern. a couple of years, like I think a year or two later, Yeah. by actually the Voyager. 
And then Gunflint Tavern added their rooftop dining area a year or two after that. Yeah. So rooftop yeah. dining became a thing in that 2014 to 20, like, I mean, it's 16, smart. 17. I don't really like to go to the tavern, but you can find me there all the time in the summer when that rooftop is open. It's just the place to be. Same thing with, like, Voyager. If it's summer, I'm on the rooftop. I'm not yes. inside. You are outside, and unless it's raining. Even then, they have, even then, they, they have, <laughs> they have <laughs> even then, you can find me at the tavern on the rooftop because they have the, the enclosed part now. And then in 2020, which we went through this discussion and I had to look at a few different resources, but they added kind of what's become a bit of an iconic lighthouse. Yeah. Like yep. structure. Like a replica of the, of the Grand Marie Lighthouse yeah. is sitting in front of the restaurant. And for anybody who's concerned, no, it was not damaged. It is. Fine, I'm sure that's going to stay there. And that's essentially the history of Sydney's. The building burned down on April 10th after, what, 19 years. Yeah. So it survived 19 years in Grand Marais, which isn't very long in the Grand Marais history, although this town is uh, pretty prone to things being destroyed by fire. It does have a long <laughs> history of things burning down here. I always just think of the gala. Oh, yeah. The one time we went to the gala and it was like going through the history of a lot of the buildings. And it was like, this building burnt down. <laughs> it was building. rebuilt again. Burnt, burnt down. down. This new business burnt down. And I was just sitting there like, did anything not what burn is down? going on in Cook County? But then he got to another building. He's like, in this building. And then paused and the presenter goes, interestingly it never burned down and everybody laughed because literally (laughs) up until then this burned down to anybody not familiar with what we're talking about here visit cook county is our local um, destination marketing organization and they throw what's called the fall gala yeah every year usually in october right at the end of our really really busy tourism season where they honor businesses and entrepreneurs in the community And then there's usually some sort of like a presentation. And this was the person was giving history on, I think it was mostly like hotels and resorts in the area. Yeah, I think it was. So he was giving the history and a lot of that history involved places burning down. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, 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 you know, it's what happens when you build a bunch of stuff out of log cabins and then you live in a very remote place without, I mean, we have some fantastic volunteer fire departments. Don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. They're amazing. They have had to respond to so many complicated and difficult situations, especially in recent years. So I'm not knocking them at all for this, but, you know, it's when they're volunteer firefighters, they're coming from long distances like Lutzen is 20 miles away, even going up to Hovland, that's another 30 miles. So the time it takes to travel to a place, a fire can spread very quickly. So even if one engine can reply, can respond to a fire quickly, it takes the others a lot longer. I mean, that's modern day, of course, yeah. back in like the 1930s yeah. and 40s. I don't even know what they did. I think they just let stuff burn. No, but that that's, that's the history of Sydney's Frozen Custard and Wood-Fired Pizza at 14 South Broadway. But I did want to talk a little bit about what was there before there was a building there, because I found this a little bit interesting. So back in the day, and there's there's this picture I have of the entire Grand Marais Harbor just filled with logs. It's because back in the day, Cook County was just a logging camp, essentially, a very big, well-established logging camp. So they would roll the logs down into the harbor where I'm assuming they would then 
go onto boats. I don't really know how the whole process worked, but the harbor was used largely for logs. And then that particular plot of land was used to store logs that were being prepared to ship elsewhere. So back in the day, if you drove down to the Gramaray Point, or Artist Point as it's now known, often also known as the Coast Guard Parking Lot Point area, you would have seen just a whole bunch of logs. And I'm going to show you this picture, Martha. Uh, I highly recommend for anybody who's really interested in Gramaray history to get the book series Downtown Gramaray. There's two volumes, volume one and volume two by Eugene Glader, and I do apologize if it's actually pronounced Glader, it's spelled G-L-A-D-E-R. This book is, the series of books rather, is fantastic for all things history and how Grand Marais, specifically the downtown area, has evolved over the years. I'm going to show you this picture of Artist Point. Um, I'm not going to put this in anywhere because it's not my photo. This is in Eugene's book. I highly recommend you pick it up so you can see it. There are houses in the parking lot. <laughs> so this, I'm showing Martha a picture of. Okay, so this Artist is. Point. That's the Coast Guard that's station. The station. This is where the parking lot would be. Nope. This is where the parking lot would be. It's the whole thing. So is this building just not here? And I, that's where the. That's where the, the boat. Is? Yeah, the landing. Okay. Is the boat. The boat launch. There's houses there. I didn't know there were houses there, but there were at one yeah, point. Yeah, just logs just on logs. And logs and logs. Lo- and more logs. Surrounded by logs. <laughs> and wow. some random docks that aren't there anymore. It's, it's, it's fascinating what has changed there. When the logging company stopped using that space for storing their logs upon logs upon logs, They eventually sold the land uh, that would become 14 South Broadway, um, and that was sold in 1924, and the first building was then built on that property. It was just a half log cedar, and it had a stone fireplace, so it had a big chimney coming out the top. I mean, pretty typical and standard 1920s log cabins in Cook County. Martha is currently flipping through Eugene Glitter's book, and she's gotten to the point where it's showing what the house that was next door to it used to look like. Oh, I remember that's that. what that that's is? That's the house. Oh! That beautiful house that's right down there at the point. Oh, okay. I remember that house. I think that house was still standing until the late 90s, maybe even early 2000s. Yeah. Because I remember that house That's really quick. Crazy. We're going to go back a page. Now this, and again, I'm, I'm not, there's a, two places you can see the photos I'm about to reference. One of them is the Cook County Historical Society Facebook page. On the day of the fire, they posted some historical photos of what was actually like the second version yeah. of what was there. The first thing that was built, though, was this log cabin looks like a trading post it does look like a trading post and since you mentioned that uh (laughs) it was originally used for quite a while i want to say until like 1956 as a resident okay so it says on july 18th of 1956 mr and mrs bessie j hofler so bessie is the wife jay's the husband uh sold the property to a mr and mrs Raymond and Lois Scarlett 
So the Scarlets said that they kept the cabin as it was for a few years. They rented it out as employee housing to another business person. And it was you know, basically used as a residence from 1956 until 1964. The Scarlets then converted the cabin into the Voyager Trading Post. So the fact that you said it looks like a trading post, that's because it was. Uh, the Voyager Trading Post was a gift shop, I'm sure. I, I, I have never been there. It's a souvenir and gift shop, so I'm sure it's like pretty much every other souvenir and gift shop on the shore. Mm-hmm. They sold things that people who came up to visit would want to purchase and bring home. Then on November 17th of 1965, the Wisconsin-Minnesota Timber Company uh, sold the Scarlets the south side of their current property. So that would be not the Sydney's part, because that was part of the original lot. That would be the house. Okay. So event- at one point, somebody owned kind of all th- where the space that all three of those buildings would eventually be on. In 1978, they then sold the uh, the property that had at the time two buildings. So again, the Red Pine building and the house was sold to Hal Greenwood. They ended up painting the building a gray color. So before then it had been just the log cabin, the log color, cedar color. He painted it gray and they changed the business to being an antique and gift shop that his wife then managed. Uh, They took the fence down, so there had been this kind of a wooden fence surrounding the Red Pine building and then the part of the lot that Sydney's would would be on. So that was all fenced in. Uh, The Greenwoods took the fence down, probably due to a storm. Yep, it said, <laughs> the, uh, well, actually, no, the fence wasn't removed because of the storm. The original front porch, the lakeside porch, the, they had a lakeside porch, and that was really badly damaged. And so they took that's that crazy. off. So that's why there's no back porch to it anymore. You can almost see where it used to be, too, if you look at that building. Yeah. The Greenwoods then sold the property in 1999 to another name you're going to recognize, Jan Sievertson. Oh, I know that. <laughs> I, I actually know that person. <laughs> and uh, can you guess what Jan Sievertson turned uh, the building into? The art gallery. It was an art gallery. So that was, <laughs> I don't know if it was the original site of Sievertson's art gallery yeah. or not. It does not say that in here, but that was one of the locations. It is, of course, now located on Wisconsin Avenue, yep. right in downtown Grammarie. And there's one in Duluth. Oh, yeah. In Canal Park. In Canal Park. So uh, that was... Where it used to be located was right there, where the Red Pine Realty is now. She ended up painted or stained the uh, half logs yellow. So it went from natural colored to gray to yellow, which of course it's not right now. Uh, She then sold it to a gentleman named Michael Raymond in 2002. So we're kind of getting close to the point where Sydney's comes into play. He ended up turning it into a business called High Pine Properties LLC. And I'm guessing that I, it doesn't confirm this in here, but I'm guessing that High Pine Properties eventually becomes Red Pine Realty. So at this point, plausible. the current owner of the building, Michael Raymond, is in play. He was the one that remodeled it expanded it and made it into the building it is today today it is you can tell it's a log cabin on the back side yeah you can't tell it's a log cabin from the front it's kind of a cedar shake shingles it's got red trim it's painted gray 
And it just, it, it does not look like a log cabin anymore unless you go around the backside. And you're like, oh, hey, this is this is a log cabin. It has been added onto, not significantly. I, I can't tell if the original cabin, because of the slope of the roof, it may have had like a small loft, a second level. Yeah. Uh, the, the new one definitely has a second level. It has windows up there. There's, I believe, a vacation rental in there, or there was at one point. I don't know if there still is, but... It's, it's a much bigger building with a lot more going on. And that was basically where Cindy's comes into play. He leased the little plot between the house and Red Pine to Bruce Block and uh, Bruce's wife at the time, Pamela, in 2004. And that's when they built Cindy's. And then, of course, on April 10th, Cindy's burnt down, but the house and Red Pine are still standing. And that brought us to where we are today. So that is, I do love doing these history pieces. I love looking at these books, the Downtown Grammaray Volumes 1 and 2, to learn more about just the people and like how the buildings changed. There are some amazing historical photos in these. We would love to bring, in fact, we're planning to bring you some more history episodes this one just sort of inserted itself into the schedule just because of what happened. And we wanted to tell you about it in a timely manner and just share kind of the history of what I think has grown to be a lot of people's favorite restaurant or yeah. eatery. It's not really officially a restaurant, but it's a, like yep. eatery in town. I feel like every summer when it comes time for it to open, when I used to be on like the community pages and it happens on North Shore Vibe too, people are like, hey, when is Sydney's open? Is it open now? I think we drove past like three or four times last year. Oh yeah, we were like, waiting and kept yet? checking. Is it open yet? <laughs> oh, it's not open yet. I think we have pictures from. Yeah, we have pictures. Oh, we do have pictures from when we did finally go last year. That's right. I can insert that into the into the article because unfortunately, when I was I was originally looking for pictures, I was like the only ones I think I have were from the fire mm-hmm. and a weirdly beautiful day that day. Yeah, it was the sun was out. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. It wasn't really that windy, although it did get windier down by the lake. Mm -hmm. It was just the first warm day. I think it was the first 50 degree day we have had in Grand Marais since September, October, November. I don't know when it got cold. October. Let's say October. It was so nice. Like It started off as just such a lovely day. Yeah, Yeah, I was sweating like (laughs) right off the bat. And you're like, you're wearing your winter jacket. I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess I don't need this anymore. Well, last week we needed it. Last week we had snowstorms. This yeah. week, sun is shining. The temperatures are warm. The snow is melting. Things are coming along with springtime and waterfall season, although they're all still frozen. Don't worry, you haven't missed it. And then this just sort of yeah. barged into the day. So again, don't know the cause of the fire. We aren't positive the future of the building. Wilson is reopened. Will it not reopen? kind of in Bruce Block's court now. He may choose to. He's, he's, you know, a little bit older. I could see him just deciding to sell it and retire. Or maybe he'll rebuild it and keep it going. I just, like I said, I really hope if he does rebuild it, the building doesn't look too different. Yeah. Because I loved, it was like this, I thought the building was way older than 2004. Well, it looks older. It does. And I think that was on purpose. I think they used. It feels older. It feels like it had so much history, so I was really surprised to learn it was only built in 2004. But that front porch area that you stand on to like place your order at like the window, it kind of has an old school diner vibe to it. But then you go inside, and it's like the two 
best places to actually sit down and eat in Grand Marais because of the views are just incredible. Those windows were huge and it gave you the great view of the East Bay or you can go up on the rooftop deck. It is definitely going to be a like an atmosphere that we're going to miss, a vibe that we're going to miss, the food that we're going to miss. So if it all decides to come back someday, I think it will be more than welcomed. But if not, oh, yeah. you know, time will tell. The three buildings that burnt down in 2020 never did rebuild. Picnic and Pine decided to just not continue on with any sort of gift shop. White Pine North, eventually, the owners eventually purchased, joins Ben Franklin, and they are carrying on their store and their coffee sales in joins Ben Franklin. So be sure to go check that out if you've been missing the White Pine North coffee. And then uh, Cricket Spoon became a food truck. Mm-hmm. So things change, things go on, life goes on, maybe not in the same way it had previous, but it does. And that's all we can say for now, because we have no idea what the future is going to bring. But until then, I'm Jay. And I'm Martha. And this has been Exploring the North Shore. (laughs) 